If you have your Bibles this morning, you can go to the book of Acts chapter 2. You know, I love, uh, I love worship. It doesn't matter It doesn't matter whether it's a hymn or a brand new chorus or whatever it is, a spiritual song. Uh, Some of the best songs are are those spontaneous, Holy Spirit-inspired spontaneous songs that nobody knows the words to except for the Holy Spirit who's inspired them in that moment, and it becomes a spontaneous song. And I love all of it. I love to worship the Lord. Amen? Amen, amen. amen. Acts chapter 2. Well, this morning... um, this week, I've really been stirred. I really felt a stirring of the Lord to, to write this message, and, and um, I, I'm going to teach slash preach this morning. I'll probably go between the two and, and give you a history lesson all at the same time. And so in your bulletins, there's notes uh, that you can follow along. There's filling gap. You don't have to use those, but I know some folks like them. But, uh, but this morning, I really have been stirred and prompted by the Holy Spirit to take a look at some of the historical and biblical earmarks of Pentecostal church. And, uh, you know, we've been experiencing a supernatural touch of God in this church. Well, I'm glad my wife agrees. I feel it. I'm aware of, of a supernatural touch of God in this church. There's a fresh wind blowing, and, and you can get in and receive all that God has in this season or you can miss out on, on what God's doing. And I don't want to miss out on what God's doing. And, uh, you know, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, we want Pentecost. We want to be a Pentecostal church. We want to be a New Testament church. But, man, when the Holy Ghost shows up and starts blowing through your church, it's a whole other story. You all know what I'm talking about this morning. We can, we can say all day long, oh, God, we want, you know, I'm sure the disciples did as well. We want the promise of the Father. Yeah, we want, you, we want supernatural power, Jesus. That's what we want. Yeah, we're excited about that. And then all of a sudden, there's a sound of a mighty rushing wind blowing through the place, and there's tongues of fire, little flames of fire on all of them, and they're all praying in supernatural languages, and they're all affected physically to the point that they appear drunk and intoxicated. I, I would say that that's probably not what they had in mind when Jesus said that the promise of the Father was coming. Actually, uh, when you look at Scripture, you can see that the, the disciples thought that the plan that Jesus had was to overthrow the Roman Empire. They're, they were looking for another leader. They were looking for, for a whole other reli- uh, religious and uh, governmental system. They, they weren't thinking that Jesus meant, oh, we're going to come and blow through the, blow through the house. We're, they weren't thinking we're going to come and baptize you with Holy Ghost fire. Even though John the Baptist said and prophesied of Jesus from the very beginning of his ministry, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I, I'm telling you this morning that that, that same message is true. That same prophecy about Jesus is true in our day. He's still carrying out that same heavenly ministry today. He will pull you out of your mess of sin. The Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I don't know about you, but I need the baptism of the Holy Ghost and and. You all catch up with me this morning at some point, I'm sure. But I'm telling you that when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, man, I'm off my notes already. I don't know where this is going. You all better hold on to your seat. 
I sensed something happening. I, was, I told my wife I was on the way to church this morning and something supernatural came in my car. The presence of God came in my car in a very unusual way. And I said, God, I don't know what, this, what you're doing. This is unusual for me. Uh, what, what is this? What is, what, what is this presence in my car this morning? And I got here and I stepped in. We were testing the sound. And, I, and I'm standing here on stage as they're getting my mic situated. And I felt a very familiar wind blowing in this church. And when I say that I felt I'm, I'm serious, I stood there and they probably had no clue what was even happening, but I'm standing here and, and Mark's behind me dealing with my mic and, they're all, and I sensed the wind of, a whole, of the Holy Spirit blowing in this church, as a supernatural wind, something tangible. I'm not saying that to give you goosebumps and make you get emotionally jazzed about, oh, he felt wind. I'm serious. I'm not telling you a story this morning. That's what I experienced. And so, so when you get baptized with the Holy Ghost and with fire, that fire begins to impact every area of yours and I's life. Fire doesn't, fire, listen, the tendency of fire is to not leave anything untouched. When fire comes, it consumes all that's combustible. When the fire of the Holy Ghost comes, it consumes you and I and everything in the path. If there's something in your life that needs to be consumed, the Holy Ghost fire will come along and he'll consume that thing in your life. You may feel like in these services, I know we've had folks say, man, issues that I, I didn't even know were resident in my life have begun to bubble up and surface. And, and I didn't know that was even there. I thought I dealt with that years ago. Or, or you know, I prayed in tongues, but it, it's been a long time since I've prayed in the Spirit. But ever, ever since, ever since this fresh wind started blowing through our church, whoo, something's been stirring up on the inside of me. Something's been, and, and people begin to tell us, I don't know why these issues are coming up, but they are. And, and, and I don't, I've been challenged, like Alicia was saying, I've been challenged just to sit and pray in, in the Spirit uh, at my desk before I go deal with issues. And, and Mike Sloan this morning in time of prayer before service, I pray in tongues every day now. I haven't prayed in tongues every day in a long time. Even just when I'm sitting and driving in my car, I'm praying in the Spirit. And all of a sudden, the atmosphere changes and things begin to change in my life. When the fire of God gets on you, things begin to change. Man, I'm getting excited this morning. The fire of the Holy Ghost begins to illuminate the areas of our lives that need to be dealt with. It brings cleansing to the areas of our lives that need cleansing. And man, if you're here this morning and you have addictions or sin issues or problems uh, of immorality or sin in your life, when the Holy Ghost fire, I'm telling you, you don't necessarily have to get your life cleaned up. One of the things that we hear all the time is pastors, well, I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to fix it. I'm trying to do better in that area. You're not going to do better. <laughs> You're not going to fix yourself. Stop trying. If you could fix yourself, you would have done done it. Some of y'all's looks on your face right now. That, oh, who is this preacher preaching to? I know he's not preaching to me. I'm preaching exactly to you. You're the one that I'm talking to. When the fire of God gets on you, he begins to go in those recessed areas of your life that you have left untouched for years, and he begins to clean out those areas of your life, and before you know it, you begin to look like Christ in those areas. Before you know it, instead of carrying offense and hurt and past failures, you forgive yourself, you forgive others, and you begin to walk as Christ walked. 
Instead of holding, instead of holding over Judas's head that he was betraying him, Jesus let him keep carrying the money back. Jesus knew all along. I'm speaking to somebody this morning. Jesus knew all along Judas was stealing money out of the out of the money bag. But Jesus still let him do it. Why? Because when you begin to walk in the Spirit, it's not about, was Jesus just stupid and he didn't care? Absolutely he cared that Judas was taking money out of the money bag. He knew Judas's day was coming. He knew the judgment was coming for Judas. And it wasn't going to do him any good to judge him and, and make the matter worse. And some of you have been carrying offense around and hurt around and you're holding it over. Well, this person's doing this to me and that person's saying this about me and doing this to me. And if you begin to walk like Jesus walked, and begin to walk in the Spirit. You all hear what I'm saying? This is where you begin to view that person differently. You begin to have compassion for them. Instead of sitting in a place of judgment about their sin, you recognize they are a sinner in need of a Savior. That's why Jesus came. He looked at them and said, this is exactly why I came was for people like that. That's exactly why I came, was for the Judases of the world. Because I got news for you. There's probably people in the church that are stealing money from the church right now. You ain't giving. And you're stealing money out of the ministry funds because you're not giving. And I'm not even going to go there. That's another message. But, but there are Judases in the church. And it's not just money. It's every area of our lives. We've got sin issues. Every single one of us have issues. But when the fire of God gets a hold of you, you stop looking at other people with judgment. You start having compassion on them and you see man I'm just as messed up as they are I have just as many issues as they do I need the fire of God in my life just as much as they need the fire of God in their life anybody hear what I'm saying this morning so you stop carrying offense and you stop carrying judgment and you begin to see them through the eyes of the Holy Spirit wow thank you Lord I probably ought to read my passage of scripture this morning Acts chapter 2, and so like I said, we're going to take a look this morning at the earmarks of Pentecost and the fire of God. Whew, I feel, I feel his fire this morning. <laughs> I might. <laughs> I might just do that. Acts chapter 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, yes, we are one of those churches. Actually, the title of this morning's message is Holy Rolling and Loving It. Yes, we are one of those churches. We, we are one of them. It's funny because I, I was, I've had this message stirring in my belly all week, and uh, someone was in my office this week, and they said, well, you know, we used to be called Celebration back when it was Evangel Temple when Doc Dobbins was here, used to be called the Holy Roland Church on North Hill. And I said, well, that's very interesting that you shared that with me because that's what I preached this weekend. We're Holy Roland and loving it. And uh, I, I have no problem with that. We are a Protestant Pentecostal church. We're a Protestant Pentecostal church. What does that mean? Protestant meanings that we are of the Protestant Reformation, that we believe that we are saved by grace through faith. Pentecostal meaning that we identify with the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost with the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. We are Protestant and we are Pentecostal. 
And that term, the term holy roller, in case you don't know, the, the, the term holy roller came around in the late 1800s, early 1900s, all centered around the Welsh revival and the Azusa Street revival. And the reason that it came about was literally people were rolling on the floor under the power of God. And one, one folklore uh, uh, writer wrote in a, in a message saying... They're, they're holy rollers because they're rolling on the floor, and the name has stuck since the early eight, or late 1800s, early 1900s, and so we've just kind of adapted to that. Yep, that's our name. We're holy rollers, and uh, you know, some of you might need to roll on the floor this morning. When you, when, you start, when you get under the power of the Holy Ghost, he starts affecting our lives. The fire of God starts affecting us, and so I'm holy rolling, and I'm loving it this morning. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. You, you never thought that you would be, some of you this morning never thought you would be identified with those holy rollers that roll on the floor. Well, welcome to Celebration Church. <laughs> Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. Everybody say fully come. Fully. That wasn't everybody. Fully come. fully come. There we go, we're getting better. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. There is a flame of fire for you this morning. There is a baptism and the Holy Ghost for everyone. It says all were filled. So everybody say all. All were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? And all of these names and Oh, yeah. yeah. You have to speak in tongues to be able to even say those names. <laughs> Verse 11 says, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own language the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And others mocking said, they are full of new wine. Verse 14, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these men are not drunk as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In verse 32, it says, Then Jesus, God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses, therefore being exalted, verse 33, to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. And verse 37 says, Now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, What shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, what promise? The promise of the Father. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, 
Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and continuing, verse 46, continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What is one of the number one earmark of a Pentecostal church in the scripture and in history? It is the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues. We are a church that believes in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We are Pentecostal because we believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit with speaking in other tongues. Just, just Pentecost, bearing the name Pentecost, doesn't mean that Pentecost doesn't mean that you, that you pray or that you're spirit-led or you're this or you're that. When you say, when you and I say that we're Pentecostal, we mean that we identify with the baptism in the Holy Ghost. I had someone this week tell me, um, I was on the phone with someone and they said, well, we're Pentecostal, we're spirit-led, the pastor will get up and he'll say, I feel the spirit leading us this way or that way and this is how we need to respond. And he said, I don't believe Pentecost is about being emotional. And I, I, didn't, I didn't respond how I wanted to respond, so I'll respond today, and it'll probably be on the podcast, and it might even be listened to by the person that said it. But I'll, I'll say this, Pentecost has little to do, yes, we're spirit-led, and yes, we need to be spirit-led, and yes, we need to be sensitive to the Spirit's direction, and yes, there's emotion involved, but when I say that I'm Pentecostal, it doesn't mean about being spirit-led and being emotional. Pentecostal means that I am baptized, I identify with the baptism in the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. I identify with what took place on the day of Pentecost. And then the result of that, yes, the result of being baptized in the Holy Ghost means that I'm going to be spirit-led. It means that I'm going to walk in the Spirit and not according to the flesh. I'm going to walk in a place where I'm led by the Spirit and not live according to my natural mind. It means, yes, that my emotions are free to respond to the presence of God. You and I were created with emotions. You and I were formed and fashioned by God with emotions. And for someone to sit and say in church, you can't be emotional, is a bunch of hogwash. You and I, that's dirty pig water. You and I were created by God with emotions to respond to his presence with our emotions. That doesn't mean that we live carnal emotionally. Man, we are, we are not created to live by our emotions and carnality. Our emotions are created to glorify God, just like our bodies were created to glorify God. No, we, we don't allow our bodies to have opportunity to sin. And no, we don't allow our bodies to have opportunity to fill, fulfill the lust of the flesh. But in like manner, our emotions are created to glorify God. Amen. Good preaching. So we're baptized in the Holy Ghost. We believe in that. And some of you may be sitting here today and say, well, I've not received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Does that still make me Pentecostal? You're here this morning. You're identifying this morning with Pentecost. Hopefully you believe that. And if not, I pray that by the end of today you do believe it. 
1 Corinthians 14, verses 15 and 18 says, I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I I will also sing with the understanding. I thank God. Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all. What does that mean? What is Paul talking about when he's talking about praying in the Spirit? That's what he's talking about. I begin to pray in the Spirit. I begin to pray in tongues. Do you understand what you're saying? Absolutely not. You may not understand it. You're not intended to understand it. It's a heavenly language. It's between you and God. And he says, I'll pray in the Spirit and I'll pray in my understanding. Lord, I thank you that you hear my prayer today. God, I know that there are people here. I'm demonstrating. I'm not putting on a show. I'm demonstrating for you today how this works. Lord, I thank you that there are people here today that need a touch from God. And I thank you, Lord, that by your Spirit, that the fire of God is going to get a hold of them today. Lord, that you'll get a hold of them. Lord, if there's anyone in this service that doesn't know you, Lord, that you'll begin to convict them and get a hold of their heart before they leave this place. And that's that's Paul's talking about. I pray in the spirit and I pray in the understanding. I pray with my spirit man and I pray in the natural. I pray with my understanding. I pray in tongues more than you all. Could, can you join with Paul and say, I pray in the Spirit daily? That's what he's talking about. I pray, how could Paul face the prison? How could Paul face the beatings and the shipwrecks and the, all that he faced and be able to make it through? It was the supernatural fire of the Holy Ghost resident on the inside of him. Acts chapter 10 and verse 44 through 46 says, While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were, were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Up until this point, all they knew was that the Holy Spirit was for the Jewish people. Only the, the only people that had received the baptism in the Holy Spirit at this point were the Jews. And here's Peter at Cornelius' house, and he's still preaching. He's in the middle of preaching his message and explaining to them and expounding to them the Scriptures. And as he's still speaking... The Holy Ghost falls on them and they get baptized in the Holy Ghost while he's preaching. And a lot of Pentecostal churches, that wouldn't be allowed. We'd run them out the door. Oh, you can't, man- you can't have any manifestations while the preaching's going on. Paul and Peter were preaching and people would get baptized in the Holy Spirit while they were preaching. People would fall out the windows dead. They'd go raise them up in the middle of preaching. Thank the Lord we don't have any windows. If you're in the balcony this morning, please stay away from the edge. I hope I don't bore you. But we'll raise you from the dead if you fall. The fire of God. The fire of God in our bellies. It's a, the, the, the baptism in the Holy Spirit with speaking in other tongues. Acts 19. And it happened, Acts 19, and verse 1 through 6. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. And finding some disciples, he said to them, I love this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? This is what we've been preaching for a couple of months here, basically. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? You want to be Pentecostal? This is the question. Have you received the Holy Spirit? So they said to them, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. We didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. We didn't even know there was a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, 
John the Baptist, the Baptist. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him and would not come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands on them, everybody say, laid hands. So if you've had questions about having hands laid on you, here's a scripture reference for that. They had hands laid on them. It's not just, I'm just going to pause right there for a moment. Having hands laid on you is not just a simple act of, oh, God bless you. Uh, you know, we're, we're Catholic today and we're going to just bless you. Now, I don't have anything against Catholics and I have no problem with them and their, their things that they do. That's, the, that's their thing. If you're Catholic this morning, don't get offended. Get set free. Jesus loves you. My wife grew up Catholic. You can talk to her. She'll help you. We love you. But it's not just that. We had, we had someone in service a few weeks ago. Someone made, brought this to my attention that was Catholic. They were here, and they saw us laying hands on people, and they thought that that's what we were doing. We were blessing people. But then people started falling on the floor. It got a little messy. They weren't used to that. But their response to what was happening in the service was interesting I feel something here. Now, I don't know that you can go into many churches these days and say, I feel something. But man, I want the fire of God in our church that when people walk in, they feel something. There's something tangible here. It's not just a dry, stale church. You can go down to the funeral home and have a service in the funeral home and have just as good of a service there and feel nothing. I want some life in our church. I want something tangible. God, I need his presence tangible in this place. And the Bible says when Paul laid his hands on them, there was something that happened to them. There was a transfer of something that was tangible and resident on Paul's life. When we lay hands on you here in this church, we don't believe in laying on hands without impartation. There's got to be something tangible on my life that I can give away. And that's what happened in Paul's, he had something tangible on his life, and when the Spirit of God was on him in that moment, he gave away what he had. I know that might be foreign to some of you, but I promise you it's real. It's right here in the Bible. That's what Paul did. He put his hands on him, and when he put his hands on him, something tangible went on him. There was something tangible. Is there something tangible on you right now? There was something tangible. He can't talk. There was something tangible on him that came on him in that moment. There's something tangible that God wants to put on you this morning. Whoo, I feel that in the Holy Ghost. God wants to impart something tangible in your life. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Baptism in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and they spoke with other tongues and prophesied. <laughs> can, you, can you just, maybe, just for a moment, Just for a moment, maybe you can think back to when you, maybe you're here this morning and you got baptized in the Holy Spirit at camp or or some experience on a youth retreat or youth convention or maybe in a service and you think back to that moment when you got baptized in the Holy Ghost and the fire of God came on you and and it was passionate on the inside of you and something something got a hold of you and you began to pray in an unknown tongue and, and that fire and that zeal that came upon you. Now multiply that. And, and think of these people who have never, ever even heard that there was a Holy Ghost, never, and, and, and a hunger and a desire for something more, and they send for Peter, and Peter comes and preaches to them about the Holy Spirit, and they all get nailed. 
They all get hammered. They all get smacked right up inside the face. We were talking about this morning before service, talking about hands laid on you and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We were talking about this morning before service and pre-service prayer about the, about the tangible presence of God on people's lives. If you, don't, if you don't believe in this, you know, hopefully you'll come along and you'll see it and you'll experience it. And you've seen things happen here uh, over the past few weeks, I'm sure. But, but I, was, I was in a service not long ago, and it's awesome to see the little children get touched by God and the fire of God come on the little children. And this, this little six-year-old going around praying for people, little six-year-old going around, and I'm telling you, when they laid hands on people, it looked like God was taking a two-by-four and just hitting them across the face, and out they'd go. And, it, you know, we see things like that, and we're like, wow. And it's, it's amazing, but it's, you know, six-year-old girl, God, but the, the power of God resident on someone's life can transform, transform a city. And that was a, those were uh, leaders and pastors. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. J. Rodman Williams, in his book, Renewal Theology, says, We may now refer to the nature of speaking in tongues as a spiritual utterance, utterance or speech given by the Holy Spirit through the voices of his people. This does not mean that the Holy Spirit did the speaking. Rather, they spoke, but the source was the Holy Spirit, as the Spirit gave them utterance. In other words, as, as the Spirit came upon them, they, the Holy Spirit enabled them to, to speak. They spoke, it was their voice, it was their words, but the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. Accordingly, the speaking derived from the Holy Spirit was other than usual speech. It was spiritual or pneumatic of utterance. Azusa Street said this, there's a, there a uh, quote in the Apostolic Faith newspaper about Azusa Street. I'll share this with you. It says, the power of God now has this city agitated as never before. Lord, agitate Akron. I just, Lord, just agitate it. Just come, I, I, I think about the, the agitators in the washing machine. They're just, they're just gradually turning and, and causing all the filth to come to the surface. So I said, Lord, just agitate us. Just let, let all the filth come to the surface and wash us clean. The power of God has this city agitated as never before. Pentecost has surely come, and with it the Bible evidences are following. Many being converted and sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues as they did on the day of Pentecost. The scenes that are daily enacted in the building on Azusa Street and at the mission and churches in other parts of the city are beyond description, and the real revival has only started as God has been working with his children, mostly getting them through to Pentecost. I find that statement interesting. He had, to, he had to start on Bonnie Bray Street. He started with a group of people who had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but they were hungry for more of God. And as they were hungry, the Holy Spirit came down in that meeting at Bonnie Bray. And before long, that whole, that whole meeting was overflowing onto the street. The, the baptism in the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues was so, was so profound and so overflowing that it was overflowing onto the street and the sidewalks. For days, people were walking by, seeing this sign, seeing what was happening, and got drawn in to what was happening at Bonnie Bray. It was just a continual prayer meeting, people praying in the Holy Ghost, and they were drawn in and eventually had to move to Azusa Street. And it laid the foundation and laying the foundation for a mighty wave of salvation among the unconverted. Why are we baptized in the Holy Ghost? Why do we, why do we receive 
the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Why do we pray in tongues? It's so that we can be empowered, Jesus said, and you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Why do we receive this baptism in the Holy Ghost with speaking in tongues? Because it brings a supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in our lives for ministry to our city and ministry to those around us. The, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is fully enjoyed when the power that you've experienced overflows in to somebody else's life. There's nothing like seeing someone get born again and you go lay hands on them and, and lead them into the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Talk about revival. Talk about an awakening in a city. Go find you some unconverted people. Bring them in. Get them born again. Walk them through salvation and see them get baptized in the Holy Ghost. It will revolutionize your world. If you haven't led someone in the baptism in the Holy Spirit, I would encourage you to get filled and lead somebody there. It is the most rewarding experience. One preacher was quoted as saying, there is a time when the tide is sweeping by our door. We may then plunge in and be carried to glorious blessing, success, and victory. To stand shivering on the bank, timid or paralyzed with stupor at such a time is to miss all and most miserably fail both for a time and for eternity. Oh, our responsibility. This preacher was quoted during the Azusa Street meetings. He said, there is a time, there is a, there is a place when the Holy Ghost is pouring out. And if we don't act now, if we don't get involved with what God's doing now, we might miss out on a great awakening in our, in our city, in our community. And that's what he was saying. And, and Azusa Street, as we know, was, was an awakening, was a stirring. It was a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost, not just for, for Los Angeles, but it has shaped and shaken our world for century, for over a century. The assemblies of God and many Pentecostal denominations that are now, now around the world are a result of the impact of the baptism in the Holy Spirit at Azusa Street. We have a video I'm, I'm going to show. Um, for those of you that are more analytical and scientific, you might enjoy this video. So if we can roll that video, uh, and even if you're not scientific and analytical, I love the video. So if you, and I'm by far not scientific. So let's, uh, let's roll that if we can. Thanks for watching our internet edition of Nightline. I'm Martin Bashir. Today we examine the Christian practice of speaking in tongues. Those outside the church often say it's nothing more than gibberish. But some Christians claim that it's the purest form of prayer, beyond the constraints of normal language. Nightline's Vicki Mabry reports on the science of speaking in tongues. It is an ancient practice mentioned in the Bible. St. Paul called it speaking in the tongues of angels. Jesus' apostles were first said to do it at Pentecost. The technical term is glossolalia. Most people call it speaking in tongues. There's a vast number of people out there, but because they did not personally experience it or have been taught against it all their lives, there's no way they have an ability to embrace it. 
So that's common. We're still mocked and made fun of. That's not stopping Pastor Jerry Stoltzfus or others in his congregation at the Freedom Valley Worship Center in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, from using what they say is a God-given gift. It's almost as if I'm able to tap into God's heart and what he wants. I get goosebumps, actually. You can feel him all around you, and you can feel him speaking through the words that you're saying. It almost sounds like a foreign language, but actually, those who speak in tongues are not saying anything in any known language. With the gift of tongues, I can trust the Holy Spirit to figure out what needs to be healed. He will use what sounds like gibberish, like any other language sounds like gibberish. Uh, he, he will interpret that for his purposes and his uses. We say things in our own English language, but speaking in tongues is a heavenly language that we're going to God and Jesus intercedes for us. They say they have no control over what comes out of their mouths, that they're swept up in a rush of ecstatic religious feeling. And that the Holy Spirit is speaking through them. Do you hear yourself? Oh, yeah. Sometimes I think I sound like a total idiot. It's almost all in yellows and red here. At the University uh, of Pennsylvania, Dr. Andrew Newberg is looking for an explanation for what most regard as unexplainable. I mean, it's not language. It's not regular language, at least, that would normally activate the frontal lobe. Newberg is exploring the relationship between faith and science, studying what happens in the brain during the deepest moments of faith. If we're really going to look at this very, very powerful force in human history of religion and spirituality, I think we really have to take a look at how that affects our brain, what's changing or turning on or turning off in our brain. They're going to go around very fast right now. He's recently published a study of Americans speaking in tongues. Remarkably, he discovered that what's happening to them neurologically looks a lot like what they say is happening to them spiritually. Make sure we got your whole head in there. We asked Pastor Jerry Stoltzfus to come to the university to have his brain scanned while he speaks in tongues. This way, we could see the experiment in action. I don't think faith is anything to be afraid of from science. Science validates faith, so bring it on. Whatever the facts are, bring it on. Just go ahead and, and you can begin prayer. And First, he's told to pray in English. Father, I pray for each of the family members involved in this study. Grant them what they are looking for in their personal lives, for, for their vision and their potential. Then he's told to speak in tongues. This is the first scan when he was in prayer speaking in English. This is the second scan when he is praying in tongues. Pastor Stoltzfus's scan showed that his frontal lobe, the part of the brain that controls language, was active when he prayed in English, but for the most part it fell quiet when he prayed in tongues. When they're actually engaged in this whole very intense spiritual practice, religious practice for them, their frontal lobes tend to go down in activity but I think it's very consistent with the kind of experience that they have because they say that they're not in charge. They're, it's the voice of God, it's the spirit of God that's moving through them. Dr. Newberg says the results were even more dramatic on subjects who were scanned without a nightline crew in the room and who were not speaking in tongues on demand as Jerry Stoltzfus had done. Yeah. 
Study participants like Donna Morgan first listened to music, then went to where the spirit took them. When I heard about the study, I already knew within my spirit that it was going to be proven that there's a part of our brain that we have no control, that when the Holy Ghost is interceding for us, we're out of control. In earlier studies, Dr. Newberg looked at what happens in the brains of Buddhist monks meditating and Franciscan nuns praying. And it was noticeably different from what happens to tongue speakers. That's in fairly stark contrast to the people who are like the Buddhists and the Franciscan nuns who are in prayer because they're very intensely focused. And in those individuals, the frontal lobes actually increased activity. But Dr. Newberg isn't out to prove or disprove anything. He can tell you what happens in the brain, not why. Were you skeptical going into the studies? If by skeptical, the question is, is this a real phenomenon, meaning that this is truly the voice of God speaking through them, that's a much more problematic question, I think, and something that I'm not sure that we've specifically answered simply by doing our study. But for those who believe, it doesn't matter if science can find the footprints of the Holy Spirit in their 21st century brain scans. When you've experienced this, you don't really care what anybody else thinks. It's personal for, in the first place. It is something between you and God. So we don't really care if it's validated or not, but it's fascinating when it is so that people that have thought we're crazy can have something to look at to say, maybe we're not... We're still crazy. We're just not as crazy as they thought. Thank you so much. This is Vicki Mabry for Nightline in Philadelphia. The gray area where fact meets faith. <laughs> well, I thought you might and enjoy that. You can mind. turn that off, thanks. Um, I'd like to close uh, today, and, and I'm going to read to you Amy Simple McPherson's Baptism in the Holy Spirit testimony. For those of you who know Sister Amy, of course, she had a, has a legacy of, of spirit-filled ministry in California and uh, it was said, um, actually it was said that if you were to sit in, his, in her services, if you would walk into, her, into the auditorium, that, that the presence of God would roll over the place like waves, and you could feel, tangibly feel the presence of God rolling over the, the services. Matter of fact, one of our, one of our good uh, friends uh, through, through the ministry that we were a part of in, in New Orleans was, grew up in Sister Amy's church, and his his mother played piano for Sister Amy, and so uh, he was a, what we would consider a modern-day prophet, and it wasn't, wasn't a goofy prophet. He was legitimate, and uh, he, knew, he knew God personally, and uh, he was involved with actually translating the Spirit-Filled Study Bible and doing all the translations in that Bible, but, um, but the, the, he would talk about the presence of God in, in the service, and back in the, back in the 90s, the, the revival that was taking place across the country you know, here's this, this man that's in his 60s and 70s, and, and he was coming and ministering in his 80s when we were there. Here's this man who had such an intimate relationship with God and, and could have grown cynical about the church over the years. I mean, he had been part of, of a great Pentecostal move, and he could have grown cynical and, and uh, complaining and, and very critical about, about the church and, and its state of apathy, but he didn't. 
He, he was at every, anytime there was a smell of revival in the air somewhere, he was there. He wanted to be a part and be right in the middle of what God was doing. And uh, I remember, um, you know, Pastor Frank would say often in New Orleans that he came back in the 90s. I wasn't there in the 90s, but he would come in the meetings in New Orleans in the 90s. And when he first came to the services, he would walk in and say, this is the atmosphere that I felt at Sister Amy's church. And so there, there, is, there is a Pentecostal fresh wind of heaven blowing in our church today. I, I shared on Wednesday, I was on the phone with an evangelist that's going to come and be with us in June of next year for our summer camp meeting. And we began to talk about what God's doing in our, in our country and, and around the world. And he said, I'm finding, I thought this was very interesting, he said, I am finding that many of the, many of the preachers and leaders that were involved in the revivals during the 90s did not maintain, those that did not maintain and contend for revival are now so desperate and hungry for the real thing and to see what God did in the 90s happen again that they're willing and hungry to receive anything that God has for them and are ready to maintain it at all costs. And I thought that was very profound that here some of these key leaders, key people, and he's in, he's in the who's who circles of all those folks. And he said that these folks are hungry, people that experience the touch of God, experience the supernatural outpouring in the 90s. And for those of you that may not know what I'm referencing, in the, in the mid-90s, there were significant outpourings of the Holy Spirit with the baptism in the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, and supernatural salvations, unprecedented salvations. Out of, out of the 90s, you saw churches in Florida, churches in Canada, churches really all over the country began to be ignited by the Holy Ghost power in their church and weren't satisfied with status quo religion. And I'm praying that God does the same again in our day here at this church. I pray that God would light up this church with Holy Ghost fire, that, you know, we're, we're the city on the hill, we're the church on the hill, and we're in the city on, on a hill. We're, we got it all. We got the best package. We're right in the middle. In other words, we're right in the middle of it all. We're on the hill, on, in the city, on a hill. We're right in the middle of it. Y'all follow what I'm saying? And so I, I think we're right in the prime place, right on the prime location. We're right on the interstate. We're a shining light in the middle of darkness. So, so Lord, let, let the fire of God fall. So this is Amy, Sister Amy. She said, I read the parable. We'll put it on the screen. I read the parable again of the man who had knocked for bread and found that it was not because he was his friend, but because of his importunity that the good man within the house had risen up and given him as many loaves as he had need of. Now Jesus was my friend, and he had bidden me knock and assured me that he would open unto me. And he had invited me to ask, promising that I should receive. And that empty, he would not turn hungry away. I began to seek in desperate earnest and remember saying, O oh Lord, I am so hungry for your Holy Spirit. You have told me that in the day when I seek with my whole heart, you will be found by me. Now, Lord, I am going to stay right here until you pour out upon me the promise of the Holy Spirit for whom you commanded me to tarry. If I die of starvation, I am so hungry for him, I can't wait another day. I will not eat another meal until you baptize me. You ask if I was not afraid of getting a wrong spirit or being hypnotized as my, as my parents feared. There was no such fear in my heart. I trusted my heavenly Father. 
Father implicitly according to Luke 11, 11, wherein he assured me that if I asked for bread, he would not give me a stone. I knew that my Lord was not bestowing serpents and scorpions on his blood-washed children, and when they asked for bread, had he said... Had he not said, if your earthly fathers know how to bestow good gifts upon their children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them who ask? After praying thus earnestly, storming heaven as it were with my pleadings for the Holy Spirit, a quietness seemed to steal over me, the holy presence of the Lord to envelop me. The voice of the Lord spoke tenderly, saying, Now, child, cease your strivings and your begging. Just begin to praise me. And in a simple childlike faith, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Oh, it was not hard to praise him. It had become so near and so inexpressible, dear to my heart. Hallelujah. Without effort, on my part, I began to say, glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. Each time that I said glory to Jesus, it seemed to come from a deeper place in my being than the last. And in a deeper voice until great waves of glory to Jesus were rolling from my toes up. Such adoration and praise I had never known possible. All at once, my hands and arms began to shake, gently at first, then violently, until my whole body was shaking under the power of the Holy Spirit. I did not consider this at all strange, as I knew that how the batteries were experimented with in the laboratory at college hummed and shook and trembled under the power of electricity, and there was the third person of the Holy Trinity coming into my body in all his fullness, making me his dwelling, the temple of the Holy Ghost. Was it any wonder that this poor human frame of mind should quake beneath the mighty movings of his power? How happy I was. Oh, how happy. Happy just to feel his wonderful power taking control of my being. Oh, glory. That sacred hour is so sweet to me. The remembrance of its sacredness thrills me as I write. Almost without my notice, my body slipped gently to the floor as I was lying stretched out under the power of God, but felt as though caught up and floating upon the billow, billowy clouds of glory. Do not understand by this that I was unconscious of my surroundings, for I was not, but Jesus was more real and near than the things of earth round about me. The desire to praise and worship and adore him flamed up within my soul. He was so wonderful, so glorious, and this poor tongue of mine so utterly incapable of finding words with which to praise him. My lungs began to fill and heave under the power of as the comforter came. The cords of my throat began to twitch, my chin began to quiver, and then to shake violently, but oh so sweetly. My tongue began to move up and down and sideways in my mouth, unintelligible unintelligible sounds as of stammering lips and another tongue spoken of in Isaiah 20 and 11 began to issue from my lips. This stammering, this this stammering, this stammering, it's hard to make it through this, this stammering of different syllables, then words, then connected sentences was continued for some time as the Spirit was teaching me to yield to Him. Then suddenly, so who, who she who shakabasa? Then oh, sikarababasi. Who then suddenly? Who then suddenly? Shoo then suddenly? Who suddenly? Then suddenly? Who suddenly? He wants to touch us. Suddenly, then suddenly, out of my innermost being flowed rivers, rivers of praise in other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And oh, I knew that he was praising Jesus with glorious language, clothing him in honor and glory, which I felt but never could have put into words. <laughs> Woo, Lord, let it come. 
Baptize us with the Holy Ghost and fire. Baptize, why don't you stand with me to your feet? Lord, baptize us. Baptize, <laughs> Woo, baptize us with the Holy Ghost and fire. Baptize us afresh and anew with the Holy Ghost and fire, Lord. Lord, we don't want to, we don't want to be fireless. We don't want to be powerless. We don't want to be apathetic Christians, weak without any uh, spiritual authority, God. We want the power and the unction and the dunamis of the Holy Ghost. We want the intimacy that comes from knowing this spirit of love. We want the, sh the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. Lord, we want the love of your presence shed abroad and in baptism. I'm telling you, if you're not baptized in the Holy Ghost, this is the atmosphere of His presence. This is a great place to receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Just lift your hands and receive ye the Holy Ghost. Just lift your hands and receive ye the Holy Ghost. If you're not baptized or in the Holy Ghost, today's the day. Today's the day. If you haven't prayed in tongues in a while, let the fresh fire of God be baptized upon you again today. Let the fire of God immerse you again today. Let him come upon you from the top of his top of your head to the soles of your feet. That he'll baptize you afresh. He'll baptize you anew with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Just lift your hands and receive from heaven. Receive you the Holy Ghost today. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit in this place. Thank you, Lord, for the touch of heaven. Thank you, Lord, that the very atmosphere of heaven is the person of the Holy Ghost. Thank you that you're here today in our midst. Lord, I pray that if anyone in this place doesn't know you, Lord, in the midst of this outpouring of the Holy Ghost, Lord, that you would convict them. Lord, in the, in the middle of where they're at, in the middle of their mess and their sin, Lord, in the middle of depravity of man, Lord, that they would have an awareness of the reality of the love of God. Lord, that you love them and have a plan for them. God, that you have a purpose for their life. Lord, I pray that even now that the reality of this plan and purpose would begin to flash before their eyes. God, that they would have a reality of the plans and purposes of God in their life. That no longer they can run or turn the other direction. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. so that you've not left us as orphans. You have not left us as orphans, but you have sent the promise promise of the Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Rabandele me soko ramata. Iandaloromo sobriata. Iacatalamasi. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Receive you the Holy Ghost in this place. I'm telling you that the, this atmosphere, I'm telling you this atmosphere is the atmosphere of heaven. This is the, yeah, ha, ha, say no, yondo, mande, yeah, the adrobosoko. This is the atmosphere, atmosphere of heaven. This is the atmosphere of heaven. We are just, we are just beginning to step in this morning. We're just beginning to step in. We're just getting an inkling, inkling of his presence. We're just very, very scratching the surface of, of the glory of the Lord that's available to you and I this morning.